Hello and welcome. UVA Speaks is a podcast of Lifetime Learning, a division of the Office of Engagement at the University of Virginia. Lifetime Learning brings the knowledge and expertise of UVA's faculty to the university's alumni, friends, and families. My name is Susan Lynch, and I am the Associate Director of Lifetime Learning at the University of Virginia's Office of Engagement. This podcast features Shilpa Dave, an Assistant Dean and Assistant Professor in the Department of Media Studies in the College and Graduate School of Arts and Sciences at the University of Virginia. Professor Dave researches and teaches about representations of race and gender in media and popular culture, American cultural narratives of immigration and border crossings, comparative American studies, including Asian American and South Asian American studies, and film, television, and literary studies. She's the author of Indian Accents, Brown Voice and Racial Performance in American Television and Film, and is co-editor of Global Asian American Popular Cultures and East Main Street Asian American Popular Culture. In this podcast, Professor Dave will talk with us about the importance of Asian representation in media and film and what that means to the Asian community. So thank you, Professor, for speaking with me today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Susan. So first, let's start with some recent news. You know, back in March, uh, Michelle Yeoh became the first Asian or Asian-American woman to win an Academy Award for Best Actress. And on the same night, Kiwi Kwan also won an Oscar. So what do you think uh, these wins signify in the evolution of diverse actors in Hollywood films? Well, I think they're both real a landmark awards that are given that recognize the contributions of Asian Americans in American cinema. Long overdue, definitely. But I think anyone who heard Michelle Yao's speech or who heard uh, Kiwi Kwan, um, you know, the idea was that they knew and they understood this was a historic moment in terms of um, women of color being recognized and also in terms of stories about Asian Americans being recognized by the Academy. And I think it's really important to say that what we're seeing is um, the Academy at least being cognizant of the, the fact that there are different kinds of stories to be told. And these films are starting to garner much more um, of a following and also an appreciation, too, as well. And I think part of that is the relationship between the film industry and the audience that has shifted in the last few years. And overall, the ways in which Hollywood film industry is really linked to global movements, too, as well, and global audiences. And at the end of the day, we're recognizing these performances. But Michelle Yao was a blockbuster star for years, um, since the, you know, 80s and 90s, actually, in, um, in global film and Hong Kong film. Um, she was a Bond girl. <laughs> so she's been in British and American film, as well as, um, as well as um, American film and television, too, as well. So the other great thing about her win was that it was also an older woman who was winning. And I think that's important, that it's never too late to recognize the talents of actors and actresses, writers, directors, um, cinematographers, that the industry is allowing for 
older as well as younger and newer people coming in too as well. Now this one, this ceremony and, and the actors, they've been around for a while, but as, as Kiwi Kwan said, right. Um, he had acted in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which is not necessarily the best representation of Asians or Asian Americans um, in Hollywood um, when he was a young boy. Um, and look how far he's come to be able to play the super dad uh, and multiple forms of a character in a really complex way. So the other people to be uh, congratulated in and for this film, too, are uh, the directors, the two Davids, as they're known, David Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, uh, because not only were we seeing representation and um, and accolades being given to the people in front of the camera, we were seeing how important it was for these actors and actresses to relate to the material that was being given to them. And part of that was because the two Davids, Daniel Kwan and uh, Daniel Scheiner, got an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, and they also directed the film too. And so a, a sea change that we are seeing more and more is where do we see actors and actresses um, and, and stories of people of color being celebrated, it's oftentimes when the people behind the camera are writing stories that reflect an experience that is not what we've seen in Hollywood film before. And so we're seeing diversity throughout um, the industry and we need to see more of that. We need to see more of the production of media that's being produced um, in uh, being reflected or um, allowing for these stories to be told by different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which makes for the stories being reflected in a different kind of way by the people yes. who are writing it and speaking it and all of that. So there's often a, a discussion about how representation matters, you know, in the political arena. Can you explain why media portrayals of the Asian community is so important and, and why it matters in a broad sense? Yes, thank you for that question. I think it's important to consider when we're looking at media images, when we're looking in the entertainment industry, as well as in the political or the musical industry, that there is some way in which people see themselves and see their ideas in what is being shown uh, around them constantly. I mean, we are in a media universe. We are constantly bombarded by images and by sound clips and uh, by uh, celebrities that people are looking to for inspiration, uh, to help work out some of their own issues in everyday life. We've seen that, that entertainment has a huge influence, uh, that, the, that Hollywood has a, a, a huge influence on us as a culture, because it reflects the best and the worst of us. And when we look at entertainment, it doesn't just wash over us. We are taking in those images and using that to travel to different places that we've never been before, hmm. meet different kinds of people, model behavioral patterns, model romance patterns. Um, 
Uh, and it's a teaching tool, whether we like to talk about it or not. And so when you see people who look different than you do or people who look like you, you immediately start to pay attention consciously or unconsciously of how we look at these interactions. And there have been different genres that have done this for a long time. Like for instance, science fiction, when a human meets an alien, how do we interact? You know, Star Trek was, you know, notorious for this Um, or not notorious, but famous for it too, as well, where the original series was talking about a world in which you had in the command structure, you had an Asian American, you had an African American woman, you had um, someone who was reading multiracial, Spock, um, and you had people from inter- encountering different people from across the universe. And it was a way to sort of model what kind of future we're looking at. And I think entertainment has the same ability to do that. And especially when we're looking at representation, it allows you to uh, to sort of practice and think about social behaviors. And more importantly, it allows you to dream. Because if you see someone there who is going through the same kind of situation as you do, you can be like, oh, I can do that. And then maybe that there is room for your story in the, in the public sphere. Yeah, so what trends have you seen in the 21st century of Asian Americans and popular culture in the United States in particular? Well, with the 21st century and the early part of the 21st century, before, uh, before we had streaming, we were really looking at DVDs. We were looking at internet culture. We were looking at the beginning of, uh, of independent, uh, independent film cinema had always been around for a while, but we started to see more of it. We started to see, um, a higher subscription rate. So YouTube came out, which was huge for Asian Americans because it was this, uh, venue in which people could put up their own original content and they didn't necessarily have to go through a big Hollywood contract in order to get their story shown. And we had seen this in PBS and again, in independent film theater, but YouTube, you could just film something and put it on up and people would start to watch it because at the time, you know, those, the content was free and you would be able to see clips of things that maybe you hadn't seen before. And so it really started a an access uh it it opened up the access gap of getting your stories out um on video and we had seen fan culture develop um in other areas um we had seen you know underground writing that had happened that people were starting to share but youtube was for video for visual culture um, a huge impetus uh, towards getting different kinds of stories out. Um, many of my students often talk about a particular production company called Wong Fu Productions, which showed stories about Asian Americans, not as um, Asian Americans per se, but Asian Americans going, having a Rome, you know, going through a breakup or falling in love or going to college where the storyline wasn't necessarily about being 
the other or being the extra or being the sidekick, but it was about Asian Americans in their everyday life and how their everyday life included more than just what they looked like on screen. And so that was a really important moment. It also, um, at this time, we started to see more um, uh, television and film where political leaders were Asian American or African American or Latino and were talking to each other across different kinds of venues. This is when Lost came out, which is known for its multiracial cast too, as well. Um, and there were, um, other kinds of television shows that started to really emphasize the idea that we were having a multiracial cast where it wasn't just one person from one particular racialized group. It was multiple people. So it wasn't just the token that we were looking at. And I think that was very important. Um, this was also during the, um, as we moved from um, uh, post 9-11 and the Iraq war, into uh, having the Obama presidency. So we started to see more images that um, were looking like different people in the United States. And it was really a flourishing that happened. And then, of course, we, you know, what was happening in the mid-teens, uh, or sort of the 10, <laughs> was streaming uh, with Netflix coming out. and. And we saw the rise then of a different kind of venue. And we had seen this before in television with subscription-based uh, shows on HBO, which were allowed to uh, do different kinds of stories because it wasn't dependent upon advertising ratings. It was dependent upon how many people subscribed and then watched the show. And that's how we got The Sopranos. That's how we got um, Sex in the City. And so with Netflix, but what we were seeing was original content that was starting to be um, developed, as well as other streaming services in the latter part of the, the teens up until the 20s, um, until we got the golden age of television that started before the pandemic, but really uh, blossomed during the pandemic because so many people were watching different kinds of series. And it was an opportunity for people behind the scenes, writers and directors, to showcase different kinds of series content. And that became very, very, that, that is very important because now there's so much content and so many different venues that it's hard for me to keep up. Mm -hmm. And we see it in reality television. We see it in uh, uh, fictional series. And we see it in um, uh, short videos um, on TikTok and, and other places too as well. And I think that has been really important to, again, provide these venues. What is missing sometimes, though, is a unified narrative that everybody gets behind. Hollywood still can have the ability to do that, everything, everywhere, all at once, which um, gets the buzz and starts to, uh, to do really well, too, as well. But we see it, too, in 
as people come back together in film festivals, which I really think is the best um, best way to see what is new. That's where we're seeing emerging filmmakers and emerging stories too. I think what is really important to look at in the contemporary times is what new emerging kinds of stories are we looking at? If we have a diversified audience and we don't know who's watching what, what is it that drives story and that drives audiences to stories? And it's about these social interactions that we see on an everyday plane that, um, that I think are teaching us something new about the world in which we're living. And so what I like to look at is sometimes the doc documentaries. Um, there were a couple of them that are really, really good for Asian Americans. Um, one is called Far East, Deep South. And that was really looking at the ties that bind between um, Asian Americans and immigrants and who lived at, and their roots of coming into Southern um, spaces. And so you're looking at civil rights movements and you're looking at Afro-Asian kinds of alliances. There's another great one called um, Bad Axe, which is about uh, the story of a Cambodian American family during the pandemic in Michigan. Uh, and their struggle to keep open their restaurant while also advocating for social justice and social change in the wake of um, the killing of George Floyd. Um, how do we see Asian Americans becoming activists? And what are the repercussions when we're starting to look at the ways in which uh, we see different communities come together uh, around different kinds of topics? And this is uh, contemporary topics. It can be political issues. And it can be in different geographic areas, too, as well. So I think that's the most interesting part is how do we see interracial and intraracial kinds of relationships? And Asian Americans are situated uh, in a particular niche in American culture where in a binary narrative about race relations, where do Asian Americans uh, come in? And oftentimes it's an immigration narrative, but Asian Americans have been here for over 150 years. So how do we see these stories start to uh, weave into what we think of as American history? And I think that's what people can learn from in the 20th century, in the 21st century, um, and how we see, um, you know, going forward, where these stories um, take us. Great. So let's get into that a little bit. Um, and by the way, I'm going to write those down. And I'm going to check out those documentaries. They sound they sound great. Um, what would you like to see in the future, you know, for media and popular culture? I think it's really important to look at who is um, producing the media. And I've said this a couple, I've said this before, but I think it's not enough just to have representation, to have people in front of the camera. It's to have people throughout the industry, 
because that is the way that you start to see different kinds of stories being told and also people learning from each other. We oftentimes are stuck in a particular single narrative of an immigrant narrative for Asian Americans, where it's someone new who is coming to the United States. And that is continually happening. That is true. But there are also people who have been here for a lot of generations. And so it's not often, it's not always about the relationship to the United States. I'd like to see more films that talk about what it's like to go to college, <laughs> what it's um, to see more romances. In fact, Crazy Rich Asians at its heart was a romance story between two Asian Americans. And to have an all Asian cast, the first one since um, the 1990s with the Joy Luck Club, so a 30-year gap, um, is pretty significant. Because you're starting to see people outside of their racialized roles and instead seeing, seeing people who are people of color experiencing love, experiencing loss, um, having issues with their parents, but also being, you know, getting together for family gatherings with their grandparents and their parents and their kids where you're seeing generational kinds of stories and looking at how those histories are rooted in the United States. And I think that's what I would like to see is more of these sort of larger issues. That is why Everything Everywhere All at Once was very significant because it was a story about a mother and a daughter and uh, grandparents and a husband and a family and a wife, um, a daughter who was in a relationship with another woman and her mother and her father um, embracing someone, a guess who's coming to dinner kind of moment, but also someone who was thinking about what has my life been like and what could it have been too as well. And I loved the movie for a lot of different reasons, but one was that Michelle Yao got to play so many different variations of a character. And it really showed off her acting chops, um, as did um, other characters, too, as well. And so you got to see within one film characters who were all Asian American, but playing different kinds of versions and seeing someone as a celebrity, someone as... Um, you know, someone doing their taxes and not having, and someone dealing with their issues with their father, um, feeling like they let them down. And I think that is a wonderful way in, in, in a one film of showing all the different kinds of roles that Asian Americans can play. And yeah, it should be, we want to be seeing more of that, I think. Yeah. The totality of our experiences. Um, yes. Yeah. And have that shown on, on screen. Yeah. And we see that with, in, you know, in, in television. So we see like, uh, you know, producers now like Mindy Kaling, who produced her own show. And she was a writer first and then starred in The Office 
And then she had her own show. And now she is producing multiple shows um, around that she doesn't have to star in anymore, um, such as Never Have I Ever or The Sex Lives of College Girls or, um, you know, Late Night. And some she stars in herself, but she's starting to develop these different kinds of stories, too. And we've seen other directors, too. So what I think is also important to point out is that in the in terms of the Oscars and going back to film, um, it was really important that uh, the best director in 2021 was Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, who is Chinese, Chinese American. And, um, you know, her she won for. Um, you know, directing a film about people who work in, you know, um, no, are nomadic and work in like Amazon and other places. But she then went on to direct The Eternals, which was a film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and previous to that, she directed The Writer. And that was a landmark type of uh, moment because she was the first woman of color to ever win a directing award. And so that was huge. And so it's important to see production, directing, <laughs> because what are the kinds of stories then that she's allowed to, to tell? And I'm looking forward to seeing more from her because like Ang Lee, who's won um, two Academy Awards, he's allowed to tell different kinds of stories um, because once you get an Oscar, you're allowed to do different kinds of things. It just opens up um, the opportunities for you too. So we're hoping to see other um, Asian American directors, Mira Nair, M. Night Shyamalan, um, and um, and uh, and other folks too as well. Great. So, and finally, how do you think that media and film can bridge some of the gaps of understanding and and positively impact? the Asian community? I think one of the ways that we can look at media is, again, as a, as a way in which people interface with the public world. And it can be a place that can be um, inspirational because it can say, yes, this is something that I can do. This is important. These stories are important. As a, you know, if you're as an Asian American, if you see someone who is an activist or is uh entrepreneur or is um, a high school teacher, you start to envision different kinds of opportunities for you um, and for the people around you. If you see Asian Americans who are musicians or rocks you know on the voice or on um you know or on um um uh you know in different kinds of arenas not just what we would considerly consider sometimes as the traditional um roles that we've seen in the past that oftentimes cater to a model minority myth such as a doctor or a lawyer um which are great occupations no doubt but I think it's important that you can aspire to that, but you can also say that there are Asian Americans in a lot of different areas. And why don't we ever see 
you know, Asian American, you know, basketball player besides Jeremy Lin, right? Because right. <laughs> there are, right? Why don't we ever see, um, uh, you know, an Asian American um, a film or a film about an, uh, an Asian American ice skater? Because in reality, there are a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know. We see that in real life, but we don't always see those um, in other arenas, too. And yes, just on a personal note, yeah, it would be great to see, you know, um, a show about an Asian American professor, too. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually, I think there is one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's great. That's great. So thank you so much, uh, Professor Dave, uh, for sharing this information about your scholarship and your research. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure, Susan. So, and uh, I think that this will be very interesting for our alumni, friends, and families to learn about this. And thank you for listening for upcoming podcasts and other lifetime learning programming, recordings, and blogs. Please visit our website at engagement.virginia.edu forward slash learn. You can also find our podcasts on the Virginia Audio Collective, which is a network of UVA podcasts hosted by WTJU Radio and can be found at virginiaaudio.org. So thanks again, and we look forward to you taking part in future lifetime learning programs.